Thank you, Lord. Is that just me, or is there something ringing? Some guy put the headphones on the keyboard. I don't know. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's in the right key. Hey, it's Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday. (laughs) Praise God. This year we've been looking at A Case for Christ. The movie came out in the theaters. Uh, Lee Strobel wrote a book and the movie's all about his life story coming to Christ. It's a tremendous movie for you to see and we've been sharing the message of the Gospel on Palm Sunday at our Passover meal on Wednesday on Good Friday service and today on Easter. But you know, instead of giving you facts for the evidence of Jesus' resurrection. Instead of uh, proving to you the reasons historically that we have for an empty tomb and to identify uh, the fact that Jesus did rise, I want to show you the implications of a resurrected Lord. Beyond evidence that uh, you might accept or dismiss, I want to share with you something that has changed the world. And C.S. Lewis, I think, put it best this way. He said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. But if it's true, it has infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. We need to unpack that a little bit. For those who don't care about Christianity, don't want to believe about it, it has no importance to them. They will live their life and they will die as they are, but they will face an eternal prospect of judgment. If it's true, the resurrection has infinite value and importance, eternal value and importance. What we cannot stand for is considering that the resurrection is moderately important. That Christianity doesn't matter. And when you speak of Christianity, you must speak of the resurrection. You cannot have one without the other. And so I would speak to anyone here today who considers their faith as something they added to their life. Something that is moderate in its importance to their day-to-day activity. And I would share with you that that's a shame That's something that you're missing out on. James said this, Show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. The power of the resurrection today does not need to be proven to our audience here through facts and figures that have been established for well over 2,000 years that the tomb is empty. But in fact, demonstrated before your eyes by our lives that live to the glory of the power of this resurrection. The implications of the resurrection is that everybody sitting in this room can have a completely changed life. Powerfully driven by the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. If the resurrection is true, then it should show up in our lives. The implications are absolutely staggering when someone has the power of the resurrection in their lives. 
And that's why I'm here today. That's why my family's here today. That's why you're here today. Because of the implications of the resurrection that have impacted this world and human history for well over 2,000 years. We're in the 21st century and the power of Christianity has not faded but it continues to increase around the world. You may recognize in our own society that it may be waning in Western society, but in the Southern Hemisphere it is on fire, and across this globe Christianity is ferocious. The implications continue to move on. So what are the implications of the resurrection? Well, number one is essential, and because Jesus rose from the dead, The Father raised him from the dead. The Spirit gave him life to rise from the dead. Jesus said, I will rise from the dead. The triune power and authority of the Godhead raised Jesus Christ alive, meaning his sacrifice was accepted. Do you understand what that means for you? If the sacrifice of Christ's blood on the cross was received by God, sin has been atoned for once and for all. Those implications have a personal impact to you. Secondly, then God highly exalted him above all authorities, principalities, and powers and has given him a name that is above all names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The implication of the resurrection is that God is governing this world and all of time through the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is exalted. He is the only way to the Father. He is the only way of salvation. Our sins are atoned for and Jesus is Lord. The third implication is that now, because sin has been dealt with, the Holy Spirit is now therefore released to dwell into those who have had their sin cleansed from them. That's another personal implication for you concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have faith in what Christ has done, the very nature of God's own person inhabits us. The implications of that are outrageous. They're crazy. We have a personal counsel with God Himself, a personal intercessor by God Himself. We have the light of truth leading us and guiding us, bringing us into a fuller revelation of our own identity and His identity for eternity. The fourth implication is all of that. We can participate in the power of this resurrection. The resurrection and its implications continue on and continue on and continue on and continue on. The domino effect of when that tomb opened is continuing through all eternity. Healing is in the atonement and resurrection. Eternal life is there. All that we need for life and godliness is in the power of the resurrection, which because the sacrifice was accepted and Christ is exalted and the Spirit released is now here for you to partake in. You get this? Oh, the facts are there. He rose from the dead, and I can spend time on that, but I would rather much more gloriously tell you the implications of all of this. And so I will. Thank you for asking. 
Let's consider the carnal aspect. The flesh, the body, what is the carnal? Well, like I said, since the sacrifice was accepted, we have forgiveness of our sins. Having forgiveness of our sins is one thing. Die anew, it would have been enough for our sins to be forgiven. But not only do we have forgiveness for sins, He put His Spirit in us so now that we can overcome the power of sin in this flesh. The flesh can now be put to death. I can live unto godliness and righteousness for the first time since I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord. I have power now not to sin. How about that? Unto Him who is able to keep you from falling. And that power dwells within me. Sin is defeated. I have forgiveness with God. I have now been made a new creation. So I have no longer, I am no longer in Adam and of Adam's seed. I have now been placed into Christ, taken out of Adam through joining Christ on the cross in my confession. I am now born of the seed of God through the Holy Spirit birthing me through faith in Christ Jesus. I'm not of Adam anymore. And so I am not carnal. I am now spiritual, led by God's Spirit with power over sin. I can overcome sin and temptation. How many of you know that? You know what we do in Christianity? We consider repentance something that happens after we sin. Repentance is supposed to come before you even enter into temptation. Repentance is a change of mind. I don't look at sin anymore. I avoid it. Remember, we pray a prayer and lead us not into temptation. That's where the repentance starts. That's where the turning from sin starts. I now have power to no longer even go down that path anymore. Addictions are broken because of an indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. My flesh is broken so that I am directed by the Spirit of God because of my love for my Savior and His love for me that is constantly 24-7 being poured into my heart. Wow, the implications are wild. That's amazing. Oh, and by the way, this flesh will die, but it will come back together when He calls it from the grave, and I will have a glorified body that will live for all eternity. That's awesome. You love the physical realm. God will restore us in the physical realm joining spirit and body together. And that's just the carnal implications, the flesh implications. We've got victory. Now, what's the next implication in our soul? I have a new identity. I am no longer classified nor identified as a sinner. I am reclassified as a saint, a righteous one, a holy one, a child of God. My identity is no longer found in Adam. My identity is no longer found in what someone else called me, what someone labeled me, or what my job is. My identity is a son of God, a child of the Most High, and He gives me my identity. That's the implication of the resurrection for your life. You have a new identity. You now have a destiny and purpose. 
when the grave opened and Christ arose, your identity blossomed into a hope and a future. You now have an eternal future. Whatever you're facing now is grooming you for eternity. You're wondering why you're going, what you're going, going through. And when you get there, God will say, this trained you for this position and this place in eternity. And you're going to go, oh, I wish I would have known that. I would have done a little better. Imagine the struggles you went through were exactly what you needed to rule and reign with Christ for all eternity. You see, when Christ dwells in you, the power of the resurrection has an implication that even sorrow and suffering has purpose to bring forth character and, Lord, virtue and hope. We're a people of hope. We have a vision and a dream. God has a purpose and a hope for your calling. It ain't over yet. You don't just have faith and, and then just kind of glide till you die. You have an ever-increasing glory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your identity continues to blossom, to flourish, and to blossom till you shed this skin and walk into all that you've been created to become. It all matters. This is what's so crazy about our God. The implication of the resurrection is it can raise the dead. So I don't know what you did in your past, all those dead things, all those failed things. God will redeem every one of them. Many of us believe that we got saved, and it's from the point we got saved that our life is valued by God. Do you know what? God is so cool. God is so awesome. He'll take from what you were born with from that day, the mess you made, the sin and corruption you brought, He'll change it all into some kind of a testimony to His glory. And you'll become a trophy of His grace. Your mind is now renewed. Your mind no longer continues to slip into a gutter, slip into self-loathing, slip into uh, uh, pride, and slip into these other things. You are now led by an indwelling Holy Spirit. You have a renewed mind to consider what is right, what is good, and what is righteous. You've been given the mind of Christ. What does that mean to have the mind of Christ? The implication is that you think like a son of God. You act like a son of God. It's a title. It's a position that you inherit from the Lord Jesus Christ. How you spend your money. When you put your hand in your pocket for cash, you now bring it out. I have some coins today. You now use these coins as a son of God. You spend your money as the way you, want, you know God would want you to. The words that come out of your mouth, out of a renewed mind, now are trafficked by the Holy Spirit and no longer by the nature of your flesh. And some of you say, well, Pastor, you haven't ridden my car lately. That doesn't happen on the freeway. Ah, but you're getting better at it, aren't you? You're getting better at it because you have a personal indwelling Holy Spirit that calls you out. You don't have to wait till some time later to get conviction. He's right there to help you and to renew your mind and restore you. You're being renewed day by day. Renewed day by day. Your soul. You now have revelation. You see things differently. You read the Word of God and it has implication for you personally. You remember before you knew Christ, before you knew the power of that resurrection, you'd read that Bible and go, what? I don't get this. This is weird. 
But now you have revelation. And not only do you have revelation to understand who Jesus is and to begin seeing through these stories the divine beauty of God, you begin to realize this thing's talking to me. This book is alive. Sharp as a two-edged sword. I have revelation knowledge of God. And not only that, your renewed mind brings truth and revelation into your heart. The power of the resurrection has implications that now you begin to act like this book. You begin to talk like this book. You begin to realize I'm being shaped to walk, walk, act, talk, and move like Jesus. I should. I got him in me. And he keeps getting larger and larger and increasing. And my soul is rejoicing in God, my Savior. Life is better. Life is good. The implication of the resurrection is it's happening in me. Stones are being rolled away. Dead things are coming alive. My identity is being shaped in Christ. Amen? Oh my goodness, in my soul I have the love of God which is being poured into me. The King James says shed abroad. It's just being poured in. Romans 5 says the love of God is being poured into us continually, continually. My soul delights in the Lord. There are times when I'm just in the middle of a day and I can't help it. I just have to, hallelujah, something washes over me. I got the latest upgrade, the newest installment of God's love. Just, whoa, where'd that come from? How many of you know what I'm talking about? People look at you and they wonder, what the heck's going on? You walk through a drugstore looking at cards and you're weeping. The love of God is pouring out. You're watching commercials. You're watching movies. Your kids are looking at you like, what's your problem? It's like, Jesus, I just got the latest installment downloads. Hallelujah. You see people down and out on the street and your heart begins to get wrenched and it's broken and you begin to pray. You hear an ambulance and you say, oh Jesus, God minister, bring deliverance. Look at unsaved people don't do this stuff. People who don't have the resurrection power don't know this kind of a love. All of a sudden you've got a love for everybody. You've got a love for everything. Amen. You thank God for the sunshine when it rains. Oh, thank God for the rain. You can go through that in one day in Michigan. (laughs) Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified, we have peace. We have shalom. You know, the, the implication of the power of the resurrection is because there's a cross, I can know that there's going to be a finish and a resurrection of whatever I'm going through. Look, at the worst thing you can do is kill me. For the world, that is the worst. For me... (laughs) Hey, to live is Christ, to die is gain. My slogan on life and death is I only got one chance to die, I want to make it good. And I'm serious. I'm serious. I don't want to fade out somewhere. When I die, I'm giving my all to Jesus. My last will and testament is I'm giving everything I got. My last breath, I want to give praise to my Savior because the next breath is going to be in His presence. Hallelujah. I haven't even told you about the implications of having an indwelling Holy Spirit. I've told you about your body. I've told you about your soul. But let me tell you about what happens when your spirit comes alive. 
the very nature of God Himself. Peter says that through His precious promises we become partakers of His divine nature. Partake. I want to partake of God's nature. How about you? I'm tired of the nature of evil. I'm tired of the nature of this planet. I'm tired of the nature of man. I'm tired of the nature of Adam. I want to taste the nature of Jesus. I want to know that nature and I want to feel it. I want to know the nature of His holiness. I want to know the nature of His love, His joy, His peace, His patience, His kindness, His goodness, His faithfulness, His gentleness, His self-control. You see, the stone was rolled away. In fact, it was extracted out of your heart. Ezekiel 26 says that God took your stony old heart and pulled it out and put in a heart that beats to the love of God Himself. You have the stone removed in the resurrection. The implication is, I love like Jesus. I have peace like Jesus. I have patience like Jesus. And some of you again are looking at me like, yeah, I'm not doing too good on that. I'm telling you the implications are that it will not stop. If you would remove the stones, remove the stones that block the move of God in your life, Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus and He said, where is He? We put Him in that tomb. He said, move the stone. Martha said, by this time he stinketh. And how many of you know inside you where you've buried things? You stink. Jesus isn't afraid of no stink. He said, move the stone. That took effort. How many of you know it takes effort to move stones? This nature wants to move. But when God comes in, do you know that the stone that covered the the tomb of Jesus, it says, when you look at the Greek and the reference, it says that the angel removed the stone. The implication is that that stone was literally taken and thrown. When Jesus busts out, man, and busts loose, he wants to move every stone within you. And so maybe you're not feeling the full implication of His Holy Spirit. Maybe you've got a stone rolled over your heart. Maybe there's a stone over the fact that you just, you're mad at God. Maybe there's a stone that you haven't forgiven Him yet for what you think He did to you when you've been unfaithful to Him all along. Can I just say it? But He'll move the stone. He'll move the stone, but He needs you to participate. And the Spirit will come in and flood you. And the very fruit of God's nature will manifest in you. And it will not stop. It's continuing to work and bear fruit and bear fruit. Let alone with the Spirit in you, He gives you graces. He gives you graces. He gives you gifts. When you don't know what to do, He gifts you. He empowers you. What power? If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, He shall what? Quicken or make alive this mortal body. That means now. Of course you will be in the resurrection. But there is a resurrection power at work right now in you. Making you alive to the life of Christ. Oh, I hope somebody's sitting there thinking, I need this, I want that. If you don't know, and if you need it, that's coming later. Come on. Gifts of the Spirit. God is giving you gifts of the Spirit by which you are now led by the Spirit of God. 
You can begin to ask God for wisdom and He will not fault you for any time you ask, but He will give generously, liberally when you need help. He'll give you words of revelation. He'll give you words of knowledge. He'll give you gifting so that you can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He gives you authority and power. God gives you the ability to now pray, and as you pray, you begin to move heaven and earth. You begin to fellowship with God. You begin to have a different perspective outside of your understanding and outside of time. You begin to realize that God is at work redeeming all things together for His good and for His purposes. I'm going to hang on. I'm going to persevere, and I'm going to get through this thing because my God has got something good coming. That's the power of the resurrection. That's the implication that I believe in a resurrection. That means no matter what has killed and what has defeated what I think is the plan, there's a resurrection coming. There's a purpose in all that God does. The implication, brothers and sisters, is since your sin has been eradicated and you have now been justified with God, you are sanctified, walking and led by His Spirit. You are gifted by this power. The fruit of His nature is bearing in you. You are now communicating with God and God is communicating with you. He then says, will you participate with me in transforming this planet? You become active now in the kingdom of God. The implication of the resurrection is that there is not just one Jesus, there is millions of Jesuses. And it's coming to billions of Jesuses on this planet because the kingdom is multiplying through you. You have the privilege of participating with the Holy Spirit, bringing people into the knowledge of salvation. Woo, how about that? You have the privilege today when you pray to release the power of God's will. What you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. What you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. He just needs someone with a loudspeaker to announce it into this earth realm. That's you. The government of God has met today. It's still being convened at 10.03 in this room. I don't think we're done yet. Do you? We've not made enough decrees from heaven into this earth. How about you? Do you think so? You got a cousin that needs to be saved? Huh? You got an Aunt Lucy today? You're going to meet her at, at, at Easter dinner. Pray now for the salvation. Pray now for the opening, for the opportunity to speak. The government of God's in session. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen, amen and amen. Let's talk about the ramifications of God. The ramification is is that you are now a child of God. You are sanctified by God. You are now commissioned of God. You're the ecclesia of God. You're the government of God. And so now you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation for the Lord Jesus Christ. And through the foolishness of our own preaching, the gospel will be preached and people will be saved. You're justified, sanctified sons of God. He's given you not only authority to be called a son of God, but He has empowered you with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. You are not only an heir of God, but you are a joint heir with Christ Jesus Christ. So as you take care of everything, it's His property, our property, all of this belongs to Him. And He freely gives it to you. He not only gave us His Son, but He's given us all things. So we would be stewards of all that God has done. We inherit every promise here. It is yes and amen to the church 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. We lack nothing, people of God. We lack nothing. The implication of this resurrection is that there is a government on earth that replicates the kingdom of heaven. It brings heaven into this planet. It brings the will of God, the purpose of God, the morality of God, and the government of God here. I am an agent of redemption. And so I, through the love of God and the purpose of God, will reach a soul for God and bring life to those who are dying. Am I just talking up here or are you believing it? A lot to take in, isn't it? The implication, we're not done yet. The implication is the power over evil. How are we ever going to overcome this evil in this world? There are evil people. There are evil spirits and the demonic. There's Satan. Yeah, well, God, through the implication of the power of the resurrection, has given you a spirit of of love, power, and a sound mind, not a spirit of fear. You shall not fear anything. You will tread on serpents and scorpions. They will be under your feet. You have power to bind and loose the authorities of heaven to destroy the works of the devil. You have power to speak through the unction of God light and life into people's lives. You will not fear the evil one. You now have a spirit to discern between what is man's spirit, what is the Holy Spirit, and what is the devil. You can discern and begin to pray and begin to move. Something needs to be shaken in your world. Something around your block needs to be shaken. Something at work needs to be shaken. You need to do an inventory at work. You need a spiritual inventory of the cubicle sitting next to you. You need to begin discerning what spirits am I battling at this job? What spirit is I confronting when I'm at the uh, water uh, hole? What do you call that thing? I don't know what it is. Everybody's got bottled water. Nobody has any. You now have authority over the devil. You now have power to bind him. You now have the ability to discern him. You have the ability to cast out demons, to lay hands and to pray. You have authority to pull down strongholds and ideologies and precepts and concepts that are evil and false. Don't sit there mute. Don't be silent any longer. The power of the resurrection's in your mouth. It's in your belly. Do you know the truth or don't you? Everybody else has an opinion. Everybody else is louder than the church. And we little church mice crawl into our corners. How dare we when the government of God is put inside your belly? If you don't speak, and if you don't speak the truth, the church is the pillar of truth in the earth. If we're silent, there is no truth being spoken. Well, I don't like confrontation. Well, God brought confrontation into you the day He saved your soul. You've been in conflict ever since you said yes to Jesus Christ because He's rooting out everything in you. And once you've walked in Him, now you need to begin with love, with gentleness. You need to give a ready defense for the kingdom of God. There is now moral clarity and personal purity in the believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone needs to preach this in church somewhere. Moral clarity in the church. Can I say it again? Moral clarity. It seems like Christians are confused as to what sin is. We've got debates as to what is considered sin and not sin. Where does that come from? It doesn't come from the clarity of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Oh, I'm sorry, what's His name? Holy, oh, Holy Spirit. Some of you are visiting today. Put your feet out. Let me step on them. 
I offer you cleanliness. I offer you morality. I offer you a, a reason to stop doing stupid things. And that is the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You're killing yourselves and you're killing others. And so are all of we if we do not obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. Moral clarity. Come on, people. I can get all the people's 50 and older to stand up and say, I'm finally getting through with the mess I made 30 years ago. We're just trying to help. The moral clarity we could have had. Right? Moral clarity as well because God lives in us. And personal purity, personal purity to overcome the influences of the evil one. You know what? We choose justice and morality over corruption and injustice. That's the church. The voice of the church. Do you know how different this planet is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Can you imagine where the world would be if God didn't intervene with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? We'd be back in Sodom and Gomorrah and worse. The church has changed the very climate of this planet morally. What Christianity has done for nations and done for justice is beyond words. Love covers a multitude of sins. The compassion and the care of Christianity to forgive and to restore and to redeem. We have a room here filled today with personal redemption, personal cleansing, and personal forgiveness. Can you believe that we're all sitting in a room like this? I could list every sin in the Bible, and it's represented in these seats today. But together, we worship a holy God in the beauty of holiness because we're washed, we were cleansed, we were bought, we were justified from all of our personal sin. Hallelujah! That's the implication of the resurrection. Power to change lives. Power to give purpose in lives. Power to increase and to multiply a love that cares for those no one else cares for. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. And that is the power of the resurrection. Social issues have changed. The reasons we have hospitals and the reasons we have health and welfare and social justice systems is because Christianity has cared for those who were down and out. Christianity has shown a love and a care and social justice, moral justice for those who are in need. Compassion and equality in a world that was under the influence of satanic power. I'm not done yet. The ramifications of the resurrection, the implications. Somebody change this slide for me. There it is. Amen. Has implications on my past, implications on my present, and implications in my future. For the past, huh. If you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, your past is gone. It's gone. It is under the blood. God has separated your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. 
They will never meet again. You will never be judged on that sin again. Christ was judged for you. Oh, it cost. Don't think you're off scot-free. God winked and said, <laughs> forget about it. No, 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 no. It cost him everything. But he paid the price for everything we did. But it's gone. It is no longer held against you. Don't you hold on to it. What do you want to hold a, a dead thing in your pocket for so long? Get rid of that stink. Get rid of all of it. It's gone. You are cleansed. You are forgiven. And God has made you righteous. My past is gone. I will no longer be condemned by it, nor will I be considered by God for it. No, 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 no. I have the righteousness of Christ. I am His child and His love is poured out on me. My sin has separated me. I can begin anew. I am born again. And God is working all things together for the good of those who are called according to His purpose. So I've been forgiven of my past. I'm so forgiven of my past, I can tell you about it because it has no impact on me. But I can tell you what I've been delivered from so that I can give somebody else hope. See, if, if you don't have the power of the resurrection, you hide your past. You keep it a secret. That's the one thing about Christians. Christians are so healed from their past. Christians are so delivered from their past. They'll come out and they'll tell you, yeah, I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. And people go, oh. But I've been delivered and God set me free. And then people go, how did this happen? It, now that you know you've been delivered when you can talk about it and, and you know that that is nothing but foolishness. The world has to hide it. They don't want you to find out about their past. They don't want you to know about it because they still have guilt and shame over those issues. Even though they don't believe in God, they still carry the weight of guilt and shame. Talk to a counselor. 80% of all people want one thing. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. For shame and guilt. It's the number one reason people are struggling with stress and anxiety and fear. People who don't know God. Can I tell you there's a remedy for your past? It's the blood of Jesus. The power of resurrection gets you past your past. What about the presence? Oh, man, the present. I stand before a holy God. 24-7, I am in His presence. Unashamed, unafraid, with boldness, I come before my Lord. I have peace with my Father. I've justified from my sin, forgiven. I have the gifts and the fruit of God's own Spirit. Right now, I am in constant fellowship with His Holy Spirit. Right now, I'm in constant communication with the Lord Jesus Christ. I hear Him. He talks to me. I talk to Him. I pray for you. You pray for me, I hope. Constant fellowship. I walk in the Spirit. I stay in step with the Spirit. I am led of the Spirit. Many believers feel that they lead their own lives and the Holy Spirit interrupts them now and then. That is not what Paul says. Those who are of the Spirit are led of the Spirit. 24-7, every second of the day, you are being led of the Spirit. The only thing that interrupts that is you. It's not the other way around. You do not live your life and then God intervenes now and then in the Holy Spirit. That's how most Christians believe. It's quite the opposite. Every day, every moment, you are walking under the unction, the anointing, and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if something is not of the Spirit, you've interrupted that flow. Just get right back into it. Get right back into it. He is right there for you. Right now, I walk in the Spirit. I'm walking in the unction and the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't need three fast songs too slow to get the unction of God going. 
I don't need to speak in tongues to see if I should lay hands on someone and pray for the sick. I don't need to have a liver shiver to know if I should cast out a demon. I'm on 24-7. How about you? Instant in season, out of season. I don't have to pull the Holy Spirit out of the lower recesses to bring Him up. He floods my soul. He floods my mind. Uh, The power of the resurrection is in my fingertips. It's in my tongue. It's in my eyes. It's in my feet. It's in my hands. That's the implication of those who are followers of the power of this resurrection. You are available to God in an instant. Amen? You don't got to warm up for it. I'm walking under the unction and the power of God. Right now, Jesus is interceding for me. Right now, He's never ceased. He has not slept. He has not slumbered. He is praying to intercede for God's next word that's coming out of my mouth. Hallelujah! He is interceding for you non-stop. Not only do I have Him interceding from the throne of God, which is declaring the will of heaven into me, He's interceding for that. You think He's interceding because you messed up and He's pray- praying to God saying, God, don't kill Him. <laughs> oh, God. He's a nice guy. Don't kill Him. Don't kill Him. That's how you think Jesus intercedes for you. Jesus does not need to intercede for you at the throne of God. God's the one who justified you. He's the one who knows you're saved. He he knows that you're in Christ. You You don't have to convince him not to kill you. God's trying to pour out your inheritance. God's trying to pour out his love. God's trying to do this. Jesus is saying, Lord, open their eyes. Come on, Tim. Come on, Tim. I got one for you. Here it is. Here's a blessing. I got a word of Tim. I got a word of knowledge. Tim. 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 He's interceding for me. Did you say something, Lord? Not only that, but he's throwing the ball right down, right down the middle, poof, into the Holy Spirit. Good one. He's interceding. The Holy Spirit's interceding within me with groans that can't be uttered. He's, oh, Tim, Tim, Tim. Oh, come on. Power of the resurrection right now. You know, I'm just not feeling it today, Lord. Come on, Tim. It ain't about your feelings. It's about me in you. Come on. The implications of the resurrection don't happen once a year on Easter. The implications of the resurrection is 24-7. In my marriage, the implication of the resurrection is there is power to save and to heal and to uh, lift up my marriage. There is power to raise my children. There is power to meet my neighbors and love them. There's power to go to work again. There's power when I drive my car. The power of the resurrection keeps me happy. And when I'm standing in line at the fast food place, The unction of God is pouring that I would have patience with the people behind the counter, blessing them in Jesus' name. Amen? Don't act like the fool you've been standing next to, huh? Can you believe how people are so irritated out there? What are we doing? We got the power of the resurrection, those irritations. I don't need them. I better get on with it. Right now, Jesus is interceding with in me. The Holy Spirit is interceding in me. And last of all, my future. Come on, can I tell you about my future? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I do not have to fear where I'm going to set my next footstep because my steps are ordered by the Lord. 
And if I uh, enter into a mud puddle, Jesus wants me to walk in the middle of that mud puddle for some good reason. He redeems everything. And whatever i got to go through, it's to the glory of God I'll go through. We are like sheep led to the slaughter every day, to the sacrifice, to the sweet fragrance of God. This isn't about me. It's about Him. My future is in Him. God's directing my paths. He's leading me into all righteousness and He's leading me into all truth. You know, sometimes you've got to turn a stone over to find the truth. Sometimes you've got to go someplace you didn't know you had to go to to get the truth. Sometimes we have trouble so that you'll understand He's leading you into all truth. I have good works yet for me to do that have been ordained by God. I've become His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which He has already ordained for me to do. Today at 1 o'clock something good's going to happen because it's ordained for me to walk into it. I've got a good work to do at 2 o'clock as well. I don't know if you know that. About 6 o'clock another good work God's planned from the beginning of the foundation of the earth. I mean, how do you walk into your future, people? You walk with fear? When, it, when the Bible says my feet are ordered by the Lord, my future is a prede, uh, predetermined in, to, for me to walk into so that I will be a good work and show the workmanship of Christ in it. That's my future. I have eternal life now. I will be with God for eternity, but that eternity inhabits me now. I speak words of life and hope. I fear no evil. Oh God, I see Jesus face to face. One day I will see Him as He is, and I will know Him as I am known. That's my future. I'm going to have a glorified body for eternity and I want to tell you something. The grave that I go into, the stone's going to roll away and I'm going to rise too! These are the implications of the resurrection. If these are the implications of the resurrection, then something should start changing around all of us. Would you agree with that? Then stand with me and let us rejoice in the Lord. Lift your hands up to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we rejoice today. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, the implications of your resurrection are alive in me. Manifest them to a new level of glory, to the power of your name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.